This sermon was recorded at Highway San Jose in San Jose, California. If you'd like to find out more about Highway Community, you can head to www.highway.org. Thanks for being here tonight. And uh, thanks for DVRing the Warrior game, as Seth mentioned. But yeah, we will go to, the, go to the Garrett after this and probably catch the, the fourth period. But thanks for being here. Uh, we are continuing tonight our series in the book of Galatians called Set Free to Live Free, where we're examining the gospel as the Apostle Paul lays it out for us and uh, discovering how that understanding of the gospel sets us free to live fully and truly. Set free to live free is what we call it. So in the late 50s, uh, Elvis Presley recorded a song called I Forgot to Remember to Forget. Anybody remember this song? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I forgot to remember to forget. But it's a, it was a country song, and basically the idea was I forgot to remember to forget my girlfriend because I have a broken heart, and I was trying to not think about that. It's a great song. Johnny Cash did it. It's a great little country song. If there's a theme, I think, to chapter 3 here in, in Galatians, it's I forgot to remember to remember, or just I forgot to remember. Paul is trying to get the Galatians to remember what they've been through and how they've experienced God. So if you were here last week, you'll recall that Paul was really going after the Apostle Peter. Well, he's on a similar tear here in chapter 3, and his, his argument from chapter 2 continues that faith is now for all people, all ethnicities, and it doesn't matter how culture or society define you, your, your allegiance should be to Christ first and to Christ alone. And he's going to ask them to remember the fact that they've experienced God. So let's check out the text here in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians. It's a great start there. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says... The person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole, who was hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. There's a lot there. Let's pray really quickly as we continue. God. We're thankful to be here tonight. We're thankful for what you're doing among us. We're thankful for your word and your spirit and how it moves through us. We pray uh, that you would open our minds tonight. Um, and thank you for gathering us 
together here in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is kind of continuing his theme here from chapter 2. He's saying, you know, why, if you've experienced Christ, do you think that living according to Jewish law is part of the deal? And in verse 11, we run into this term justified again that we saw last week. Clearly, no one who, who relies on the law is justified before God because, quote, the righteous will live by faith. So we saw this term a lot last week, and, and I think we should dig into it a little bit. It has vital implications, I think, for not just for Paul's argument, but for who we are and how we identify ourselves. So justification isn't really a word that we use a lot, but in the modern sense, if we use it, it's, it's used to kind of assign blame or, or absolve blame. But here, it's, it's a description of God's acceptance of us. And it's a term that's drawn from the legal world. Probably the best way to describe it is that it's the opposite of condemnation. So justification means not condemned. So when Paul uses the word here, and it projects an image of God as a judge rendering a not guilty verdict upon the guilty, which is us, which is humankind. And the legal image continues. God, who is holy and just, he forgives humankind through Christ and his death on the cross, and, and we're declared as people blameless. So if we continue that image, Christ assumes the guilt of humanity, sometimes called the atonement. Now this is kind of like Sunday school one-on-one -on -one here, but but Paul takes it further. There's a, there's a relational element to this term, justification, as well. In, in Romans 5, Paul connects justification with, with reconciliation, the joining or the restoration of a broken relationship. Christ's death on the cross not only renders us not guilty, it also reconciles us to God. It restores that broken relationship and restores the covenant previously broken by sin. Here's the section in Romans when he talks about it. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I love that image there of standing inside grace. It's almost like a, like a force field or like something from Star Trek that you just kind of stand in and, you go, and you're sort of protected. You know, we're justified. We're in that zone where God is loving us and has loved us. Being justified has huge implications for our identity. It means we're accepted. It means we're loved. We're not condemned. That's really important. We are not condemned. Justification means not condemned. So who are we? We are people loved and esteemed by God through Christ, and that's freedom. Now, the way Paul drives this point home here in chapter 3 is he appeals to the Galatians' sense of remembrance, which is a theme we'll sort of rest in as we finish up tonight. Let's look at the beginning of this again. Chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? 
So the Galatians were presented the story of Christ by Paul, and they believed. They experienced a work of the Spirit that Paul was witness to. The story of Christ was presented plainly, and, and this is why he's so angry now. He's, he's like, people, I was there. I saw you. I felt the Spirit move. You felt the Spirit move, so what, what is up? Now they've fallen away. So he's trying to remind them of when they received the Spirit and believed, and he's trying to remind them that the Spirit is still present. Well, we need those reminders too, right? So continuing this theme of remembrance, he appeals to them by referring to their spiritual forefather, Abraham. And so before we get to Abraham, I just I want to ask, does anybody remember the grunge movement? Couple people, yes. So 1989, 1990, grunge happened. Grunge was like this heavy rock movement that came out of the Pacific Northwest. There's a sort of a sample of what it was like, I guess. Um, but we had groups like Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and there was a sort of this heavy rock thing coming out of Seattle, you know, and it, and it sort of overtook the world, right? And as, you know, I was 18 or 19 at the time, and I really, I really got into this, man. It really, it really spoke to me, you know, grunge, you know. Whatever it meant musically, it just, it was like powerful. And so something happened, um, you know, I even a couple years later started a band that was very grungy, you know, you don't understand me, kind of a thing. <laughs> and um, something happened within the grunge movement that I think it was a rock critic or somebody identified Neil Young as the godfather of grunge. And, and there he is there. He's a very handsome dude. Um, and Neil Young was an artist that I had grown up with. My parents played Neil Young in the house a lot. They're, they're here tonight. They're very proud of that. <laughs> and so, so here was this, this new music coming out that I was very much uh, in love with. And then to find out that it was connected to Neil Young just sort of deepened the whole experience for me. It was like I was in, I was in heaven, man. And so Neil would sort of come out and he would play with some of these new groups and it was like this meeting of the, of the, of the new and the old and the ancient, you know, and it was, it was great. And then two years later, it was all over. So Abraham, let's call Abraham the godfather of grunge for the Jewish people, I guess. We have Abraham, we have Isaac and Jacob, and of course Moses after them. They're the godfathers of Judaism. Paul goes right back to the source, to the mouth of the river of faith, as it were, to remind people that it's not about the law and our identity isn't found in works, but in belief. Verse 7, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what, what Paul's doing here is unique. He's not obliterating their history and their experience. He's not saying, listen, your history's been replaced. He's saying, your history has actually been fulfilled by the coming of Christ. And if you look closely at the story of Abraham, the godfather of faith, God's plan all along has been to bless those who believe, and this is now how he's doing it, through Christ. So Abraham is this gigantic, mythic figure in Jewish culture, but what's probably most notable about him is that God blessed him. The reason God blessed him is because he believed. He trusted God and 
quote, it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul is channeling Genesis 15 here and the, and the promise that started it all. There's not a lot of language describing the actions of Abraham. Paul focuses instead on his belief. He believed, he obeyed, and he didn't actually do a lot of the things that we typically associate with faithfulness. He simply was faithful. So Paul is teaching the Galatians that what's happening in this blessing of all nations now continuing through the spreading of the gospel outside of Jewish people started way back then and is now continuing to the ends of the earth as Jesus described it. So in the Abraham story, Paul is identifying like a, a foreshadowing or a pre-visualization of Christ in the story of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Does anybody remember Aquaman? Yes. So there he is there. He's kind of small, but Aquaman doesn't get a lot of uh, attention these days in the new superhero universe. But, you know, when I was a kid, I would wake up every Saturday morning and watch the Super Friends on, on TV, and Aquaman was a central part of this. And his, his skill, or his superpower, was that he could sort of, like, communicate with fish, basically, which doesn't sound that impressive, but, it, I mean, that would be a nice skill. So he'd be swimming around, and, and then he would learn that some boat was trapped on the rocks or something, and he would sort of, he would do this thing, make this sonic wave, they'd just go boop, 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 and then fish would be swimming, and they'd be like, there's a boat stuck on the rocks, let's go, let's go help, you know. And it would sort of be this emanating signal through the ocean, you know. So, for some reason, I thought of this image, thinking about this Abraham story. So you have, picture Aquaman as, as Abraham there. You know, God is, God is saying, I'm going to bless all people through you. He says, okay, he moves from his home. And sort of that promise kind of emanates, boop, 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 like through history, through hundreds of years to Christ, and now actually extends kind of to us, right? Here we are. Most of us do not, are not, we're not ethnically uh, connected to Judaism, but the, but the blessing and the spreading of this news to all nations is kind of extended through us through this sort of sonic blast. So maybe that's more confusing than it needs to be, but that's, that, image, that image helped me. So thank you, Aquaman. Um, so what does, this mean? what does this mean for us? How, how should this make us live? So Paul challenges the Galatians to remember how they came to believe and remember how Abraham believed as well and how they're part of a long line of belief. And he wants them to trust their experiences there's an opportunity for us to remember tonight as well. You know, to me, the act of remembrance is a central piece of our, of our faith, and we'll see that as we take communion tonight. We need to continually rehearse God's faithfulness. Well, why do we, why do, we do that? Why do we need to do that? Is it because God moves so subtly we don't see it? You know, well, sometimes, frankly. Or is it because God hardly moves among us at all, so we have to look to the past? for confirmation that he's actually there. I don't think so. I think it's because as human beings, we have very short memories with regard to our journey with God. And, and, and we see that in the whole of scripture, to be honest. We see people in community with God, 
everything's great, and then they're sort of like, hey, what's this over here? You know, and then, and then we separate, they forget the story of God's faithfulness in their lives, and we see that happening all the time, and it happens to us all the time. It happens to me. Paul here is kind of guiding the Galatians back to faith through remembrance. Author uh, Laura Vanderkam has written a lot about time and time management and, and how, how human beings perceive time and think about time. And she's found that, you know, negative experiences stand out in our minds more fully than positive ones. I think that's true. And I think the same is true in the life of faith. We need, we need to remember the goodness of God constantly and challenge our, ourselves to do that. This act of remembrance, I think, has been part of faith since the beginning. I think the first place we see it is in, is in the creation story, in the Sabbath. We have God creating the cosmos, and after this creation story, he pauses and he looks back on the creation, as it were, and sees that it's, that it's good. He's pleased with it. You know, in Exodus and elsewhere in the Old Testament, we hear of monuments, stones of remembrance to commemorate the acts of God, and even they had certain tassels on clothing that were tactile reminders of, to sort of handle every day and remember God's faithfulness in that way. Um, back in my uh, 20s, I guess, I started writing a journal. Some of us keep journals. And, you know, in the early days, the theme of my journal was probably like, you know, why doesn't she love me? And why won't anybody come see my grunge band? You know, stuff like that. And over time, you know, those themes get old and you start to write about different things. And then when we had kids, I think part, partially due to the inability to like stay awake long enough at night to write in a journal, like the nature of the journal changed. And what I did was I, I got, I started getting calendars. And I have, I have my current one right here, just a simple Moleskine sort of weekly calendar. Instead of writing down like my deep thoughts, you know, it was like I would just write down what we did in a day or in a week or what, what the family did, funny stuff that the boys said or whatever. So it would be like, you know, Judah lost a tooth or, you know, and then I went to church or something like that. So not, not real sexy content, but just sort of a record of, of life. You know, occasionally there'd be things like, you know, went to the car wash today and got rear-ended in the car wash, you know. That actually happened. We'll, we'll, I'll tell you that story another time. But as I... As I go back and look at these things, I've been doing this for probably seven years now. Sometimes I'll, I'll leaf back through them and think like, why am I doing this? You know, who, who cares that we had, we had chicken on April 14th for dinner you know, or something? But as, as I think about it and as I reflect on it and look at these pages, it's like all the richness of my life comes forward. And all the things that make up my life, you really see how blessed you are. You have these varied experiences, and sure, there's weeks where it's like we had chicken, we had chicken with rice, we, uh, I forget what we did, and there's nothing happens. But as a whole, this thing helps to remind me how blessed I am, how truly blessed I am. So we're going to finish tonight in a posture of remembrance with communion. We'll celebrate that together which is really the most central act of remembrance in our faith. And after that, we're gonna do a, a quick open mic. We just wanna open up the mic and very simply share some stories together of just of how God's been faithful to you. We're gonna kinda continue Paul's theme and just simply 
just talk to each other real quick about how God's been faithful to us. Could be anything that's on your heart or on your mind tonight. Uh, as we start communion, uh, Nick's going to sing a song called Deuteronomy 6. And this is a song that's from the scriptures, and it's, it's the moment when um, the Jewish people receive the Ten Commandments. And this is just after that where they say, we're not going to forget this moment. We're going to rehearse this moment. We're going to teach this moment to our children. We're going to remember God's faithfulness. We're going to remember God's instruction for us. And we're not going to let this die. We're going to keep talking about it. We're going to, we're going to remember it. And so this is a great song as we kind of finish up tonight. And it's a great song to go into communion with. And as we come uh, to communion, I'm going to read an, an old prayer. This is an old Anglican prayer. And it's called the, uh, the Prayer of Humble Access. And it's just a simple prayer asking God to make us worthy to approach the table and make us worthy to celebrate communion together. And in the saying of it, I think it's a great exercise as we come to communion together. So take a minute, be quiet if you'd like before you come to the table or just whenever you're ready, come and we'll take communion together. Let me pray for us as we do. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body and our souls washed through his most precious blood and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen.